This morning we'll go straight into the guided meditation. So I invite you to find the posture you can keep for 20-25 minutes. Posture in which you can choose stillness or relative stillness. invite you to feel this body sitting here, this animal body breathing, resting. The living body, not the objectified body, the body that we have in our mind, that we see and maybe judge, in some ways, because it's too like that or not enough like this. So not that body that I'm talking about. I'm talking about this living body here now, tingling, touching, experiencing heat, or coolness or cold. This body alive, almost like a river or a field, a dynamic field of pulsations, expansions and contractions. Vibrations. Notice the aliveness of this body and the aliveness of the mind also touching on impressions from the senses. A bit of hearing here, a little impression of a sensation there. these moments of life manifesting in different forms form of a thought or of a mood tingling or a taste or a smell or sight light through the eyes closed, so alive. So there is a life force in you, something active, operative right now, intelligence, sensitivity, consciousness. Something that is alive, what you maybe often think of or call moi, me, I. It's alive right now. What is that? 
<coughs> yourself become uh, aware of that life in you. Maybe you can notice how you want this life to be safe, this experience of being alive, of being conscious, of being a human being, how you want it to be peaceful, peaceful or clear or joyful. This is metta, to wish for well-being. If you want to think of someone you know, maybe you've been thinking about them, wishing them well this weekend, let them appear to mind again. You might see them, think of them as if they were there, just there standing behind or sitting next to you or in front of you, just here in the room, that other life force. Notice how you uh, maybe appreciate that life, how you want it to be safe and well, deeply well. You can, if you want, inwardly say the name of this being as they are here in a way with you. If you want, you can speak directly to them. And say, may you be happy healthy or whatever else seems right, speak to them from your inside of you. You might imagine holding their hand, or hand. If you want, let somebody else come in too. Somebody else will appear. Family member, a friend, an inspiring person. Feel their life force, this particular way that life expresses itself. It took that form of that being. Isn't that amazing? Feel how you might want that life too to be safe and happy and joyful and other beings you know will show up that you care for you can name them as they appear and take them in notice them appreciate them as if there was a celebration, a gathering of loved ones around you. They appear one after the other.
and even uh, people that maybe you haven't seen in a long time or acquaintances even might be people from school or workplace or neighborhood might flash by in your mind or come and stay around in that gathering people from the different classes and places you've been take time to take them in one at a time appreciating them sending them wishes of well-being and maybe receiving their blessings their love their care Maybe even some people you have been having difficulties with lately or in the past, maybe they will appear. You will recognize something different in you with them, some tenderness maybe, silently you can hold them for a moment, for a flash, for a longer, a part of the gathering of beings. And other beings, even beings you've never seen before, you don't know, that live far away, from other cultures than yours, people who might be inhabiting this planet with you at this time. There might be in this large, vast gathering, even populations that you think of that come to mind from areas of the planet or particular groups of people. Allow them in the circle of your care, humanity. have already done that or you might want to invite also beings from other species animals mammals birds 
those who fly, walk, or swim, crawl. you want you can even make some kind of a big zoom out to hold not only this area and this continent but the whole planet in your gaze in your friendly or loving gaze or calm peaceful gaze this whole blue green white planet living system feel how much you want it to be safe healthy well Expand as much as you want. If you want, you can hold in the same way this solar system or the galaxy, or the universe. Letting go of any barriers. invite you to zoom back in towards this planet, this continent, this country, and this province and area until you come just above this building, holding this building and the beings in it and around it in care and consideration. And then come back in this room and find yourself just in front of the person you know the most it's you take a moment to take you in sitting there this person you know their secrets their wishes their fears their torments and patterns and their beauty can allow them to be loved, held in benevolence. If you want, come even inside of them to feel what it's like to be this being. Feel 
it feels to be them sitting here and breathing. Can you inhabit this being with care and benevolence? You do this for the next few moments here in silence.
what's alive in you right now? Are you a little caught in stories? If you are, just wake up gently. Be here for a couple of seconds before the bell rings. Try to see if you can be here now. I think it might be one of the most loving thing to do for yourself to take you out of the trances that you are in, welcome you back, or invite you in this uh, realm here where we do live. So, inviting you back uh, gently, not harshly. Come back, my love. Come here, my beloved. Is where it's happening. Let's meet this. We can. So, um, in um, a few years ago now, I, I, I um, taught um, a one-month retreat with um, my uh, teacher and friend and colleague, also now Jack uh, Cornfield, who some of you know from reading his books or maybe sitting with him or hearing him on uh, podcasts and and such. And uh, I noticed that during the whole retreat, I don't think that um, Jack used the word mindfulness once. I think every time he was uh, talking about presence and being attentive, he was always uh, using the expression loving awareness. Bring your loving awareness to sitting. Bring your loving awareness to hearing, to, to feeling the hands, to noticing the state of your mind, whatever that is, or the state of your heart. So that's another way that mindfulness and uh, metta can become uh, one thing. He he also said in that retreat, yes, yes, yes. We tried for the 31st years of teaching, you know, in my teaching, to teach mindfulness, you know, and we were sure it would work, you know, and we did teach this for 30 years, you know, and well, in the last 10 years, maybe it became clear that it was not going to work, you know, that it would would require an equal amount of... uh, of uh, care and friendliness or metta you know, so loving awareness so it might be good for us to consider this in the way that uh, we bring attention 
And then in the text, when they talk about mindfulness, which is the other practice that is kind of always thought, taught with uh, metta, metta mindfulness, they, they, always you go for in this tradition you'll go to one retreat or the other maybe sometimes it's concentration retreat but mainly what is offered on the catalog of a center is a lot of vipassana mindfulness retreat and a few meta retreats often that's the form it takes um, and uh, so when mindfulness is present in the texts It's uh, called sati in Pali, and it's pretty much always, which says something, pretty much always comes with uh, sampajanya, which is translated often as clear comprehension, or you could uh, think of uh, the word uh, words discernment or intelligence. So it's not just about being attentive. It's about bringing the fullness of our sensitivity and intelligence to what's happening yeah. so and there's one teacher who has a book called <coughs> Awareness is Not Enough and what he's pointing to is that you also need some intelligence in the field you know? so it means uh, let's say you take a mindfulness class and you learn how to follow your breath you know? and then you get a f in a fight with a co-worker or a colleague <laughs> And you're just watching your breath. You're really aware of your breath, you know. At some point, you might need to use a little intelligence and say, maybe I should put my attention on the other one who's triggered, or, or I might want to feel how I feel, or feel my ethics, you know, become aware of what's, what's, where is my boundary, you know, and how can I express it well, you know, carefully, caringly. So that's, that's the practice. It requires a lot of intelligence. It even requires intelligence when you're mindful listening to a teacher. Uh, if there is a setup where there's you know, a bunch of people looking in one direction that can kind of give the sense that the authority is somewhere where the lines <laughs> are pointing, you know, even when you do that, you need a lot of intelligence and a lot of sensitivity to, you know, to I mean for many reasons maybe even to hear well because you might otherwise be listening through your preconceived ideas and assumptions and you might be hearing something that is not said or maybe the thing said needs for you to uh, to put some of the parts aside because they don't resonate they don't feel right But one of the definitions of uh, sampajanya, clear comprehension, there's several kind of aspects to this intelligence. So discernment is one, discerning uh, a lot between what is uh, to be cultivated and what is to be abandoned in, uh, in one's, uh, oneself, transformed. You know. And so, for example, if there is a lot of anger inside oneself, one will need to be really aware of the anger to take out the intelligence in the anger if there is any or the power that is in it but to abandon the abuse that could come with it do you see what I mean? so that one could have anger and it could become real passion for justice and that could be strongly uh, expressed without hatred and abuse 
So that's a delicate work, especially when you're in a very strong emotion. You know, it's, uh, it needs a lot of attention and a lot of intelligence. So that's why we, uh, we practice every day, because if you practice every day, you'll be at some point experiencing the full range of the human emotions and states and states of physical states also. If you have a regular practice, sometimes you'll sit and you'll be a mess, and sometimes you'll be light and grateful and quiet and upset and confused, and you'll learn how to uh, hold that with a loving, intelligent awareness. Yeah. One other aspect that I like uh, when in the commentaries they describe uh, the definition, the meaning of uh, this intelligence. So sometimes it's discernment and sometimes it's around the capacity to recognize opportunities for practice. And I like that one a lot. I like to know this information and to cultivate it especially and to recognize when it's happening. When suddenly I'm like, oh, I didn't think I could practice here, but actually I can can bring a lot of care here. At the beginning, maybe I thought it was just on retreat or when I sat formally or with the breath. And then I learned that oh, I could also be mindful of mind states and I could be mindful of uh, speech uh, that is going to come, you know, and that I could be mindful in this conflicting relationship or con conflicted or con you know, difficult relationship that actually I could. And actually it would be good if I brought loving, intelligent awareness just before making that phone call or while reviewing this email. You know, that it would be good to actually, oh, here instead of just doing this automatically because I have to do it and I don't have much time, maybe I could actually pay attention and maybe save time. You know, like slow down a little bit, two seconds, and just format the email in a way that I won't have to process a lot after. Or, you know, we'll get the best of the person I'm writing to instead of the worst of them, you know. So, um, so opportunities of practice. So when we leave retreats, it's a good time to talk about this because, you know, we went from like sitting, oh, we're going to do it while walking also. Oh, walking also, okay. Oh, while eating also. Oh, you know, and then now it's like, okay, while being in the transportation, if you drive or you're driven somewhere, you know, and speech and uh, all the activities. Actually, the Buddha, when he was giving his instructions, was living nothing out. So he was saying, you know, in the most grossest activities to the most refined, even so the most gross, gross, I don't know if it's the right expression, but like he would say uh, clearly, when defecating, you know, it's a really good place to be present. You know, why not? There's life happening. You know, when urinating, he, he didn't have a problem saying that, instructing in this way. And in the same way, he would say, once one is fully awakened, meaning maybe when the heart has been completely uh, cleaned, detoxified, or every misunderstanding, or wrong expectations, or uh, judgments, and all this has been removed when the heart is clear and na naturally radiant. So the most beautiful, or you could say subtle states of mind of concentration, always it's invited to 
be, uh, it says, mindfulness being present is a, is a, is a, what's the expression in English? Is a pleasant abiding. So even for awakened being, like, so it's the path and it's the result of the path. What do you want to do once you're awakened? Check out? No. You actually want to be there and enjoy and be touched and meet the difficult fully, etc. So opportunities uh, for practice, check it out. Where are your opportunities? Where are the places especially that you think you can't bring your practice? These are probably the most rich places for discoveries. Uh, they might be challenge, challenges, but it's also juicy to see, can I actually go in there? You know? And so, uh, so, and you'll probably make the discovery that you can, and that it's, makes, it, it's, makes it more viable, and you gain access to more, a different view. That's what metta does, it changes perspective. When you're in, uh, in caring, when you're in generosity, your perceptions change. You know, if you're in uh, impatience and somebody's asking you something, you feel like you don't have time. I don't have time for that. You know, and if you're in generosity, you say, "Yeah, let me take the time." And suddenly, time fills things. Perceptions change. So in metta, perceptions change, and so that's in this way it's protective, and it also. When the perception change, also the doors open to creativity. For example, says, there's no way I can talk to this person every time I talk to this person. It's like this. And if there's a little bit of softness that comes in, of consideration, of something, of a wish, that it, of well-being, using the senses not as radar to confirm my biases and my preconceived ideas, but as uh, radars to find the good, to find the possibilities, things will open up, you know, and I will see different ways that I didn't, couldn't think about before, because I was stuck in my thinking in my box, as the expression says. You know. So thinking outside the box might require careful, loving awareness. Um, and so that's what we're going towards here, and it's important to really be, I'm very serious about this. Human beings are imperfect. They do things imperfectly. The brain is an amazing design, but it's faulty. The body is, every, every system is or will be. So don't try to be the perfect, loving, you know, poster child. Of, you know, so it's not going to work. It's, it's going to be much more messy than that. It's not a reason to hate oneself. It's not a reason not to do the work. There's no reason not to do the work. There's no... I, personally, I don't think this... It's, it's just the appropriate response. This, this, that's the way to go. And so... And it's not going to be pretty all the time. You know, you'll mess up. And you might actually mess up a lot sooner than you think. <laughs> you might not even have left this place and you'll miss, mess up in the, in the meal time or in the, you know and I've seen myself do it I remember at the end of a there was the end of a three month retreat so three months of 12 hours a day of great dedication you know 
and suddenly there was a circle, a closing circle, and I did this cynical, sarcastic joke that it just came out of me, you know, in the big circle, a hundred people coming out of a retreat, you know, and then I heard myself say this really not so nice thing, you know, it made a part of the crowd laugh, you know, <laughs> they were. <laughs> They probably had to review the, their laugh. Why <laughs> they laugh also? Anyway, I heard that, and that was so incredibly humbling. So there was, I was washed with kind of uh, shame. But the difference in that time that I noticed, and it also touched me deeply, is there was this recognition: this was not appropriate. This was edgy. You know, that's there's a risk with humor huh? when you. Humor comes with the risk. This, this, the risk. You know what? <laughs> on me, I don't know on anybody else, but on me, it was like I don't want to be this person who says that in a group like this. You know? <laughs> but the difference that I noted that was very striking uh, was that there was a big. After, right as I said it, I, I'm not even sure I was finished saying it. <laughs> I was conscious of what I was had said or was saying. There was a wash of shame, like, you know, like heat, like strong heat, you know, strong recognition of the potential harm in what was being said or had been said. And, but at the same time, no guilt. There was just like, the mind was really clear. It could it add discernment. It had intelligence right after. <laughs> it would have been good before, but right before was a conditioning. It was used to, to it, you know, a part of the personality, the identity was, I can make quick jokes, and they could be incisive, you know, in the past, value that I gave to the humor was that it could, like, destroy somebody in, a, in a one line, you know. And so that was valued. It was not anymore, but the pattern the mechanism was still there and it had momentum and so we have to have a lot of humility and respect for these conditions they're really strong I like that in Buddhism there's lifetimes to work on stuff <laughs> because it seems appropriate you know <laughs> and so and so there was a wave of heat it was, un, it was unpleasant but there was no hatred and it was so and this was what we call spiritual remorse it means one feels the impacts of the words or action, action done or that could be done, you know? Thinking like, I could say that or I could do that. <gasps> and suddenly you get all warm and ashamed, you know? This, this it says, the Buddha was saying, this, these feelings are uh, the guardians of morality. So when you think like, you think of yourself saying what you would like to say later when next time you talk to this person, I'm going to say that. And then you feel a little like, ah. said, this is unpleasant, but unword leading. If it's not guilt. If it's guilt, it's a different thing. It's unpleasant and it's unhelpful because it's, a, it's, a, it's an ego trip. So it means I would say something that would be hurtful and after a hundred people would have to take care of me because I would be guilty. Oh my God, I said that, I'm bad, I'm bad. No, you're okay, it's okay, we understood, it's fine. You know, not only would that hurt people, but then they would have to take care of moi. <laughs> you know, that's how crazy uh, selfing and guilt can be. So in a clean uh, process here, what we might end up being able to do is to recognize, whoa, not good, 
Ah, oh, this uh, breaks my heart, presses on my heart, a lot of heat, sweating, dry mouth, you know. All these to recognize the line, you know. Oh, there's been a crossing of the line of uh, harmlessness. You know? And so uh, we can uh, be aware of this and see. And if the mind falls into guilt, to really bring a lot of compassion. Of course, it might, and you know. And if it does, to recognize this is a something else. This me bad self hatred. This is, is one has to be really clear. This is a mistaken view. This is a mistaken view. It's possible to recognize wrongdoing, wrong seeing, uh, harmful intentions, and not to uh, make it an ego trip. But very delicate work. That's why we go on retreat. That's why we practice daily. That's why we pay attention when everything's going well also and it's fun because we want to have this muscle or these muscles really, really to kick in when it becomes uh, you know, uh, shaky in some way. And so, uh, and so for many people they say speech is very... Uh, challenging, you know, because why? I think mainly is because speech is thoughts exposed to others, you know, and so I'm speaking and I'm exposing myself as I'm speaking. It's it exposes my thoughts, and so they're exposed. So it's it's a little tricky, you know. Sometimes they're beautiful, and sometimes the the thoughts are not so, you know, and so it's. Uh, but there are instructions about it, but mainly it's what we've been doing, is paying careful attention, being awake to what's happening. You know, the Buddha, talking to his son, uh, said, Rahula, we don't know what happened, but we can imagine the teachings usually they come, they're circumstantial. You know, there's something happened that leads to the, t- somebody asks a question, something happens and the Buddha, sp- sp- you know, says something like we do in life so at some point he's talking to Raula and he says Raula honey pie <laughs> uh, before you speak really check what's your intention could that lead to harm to yourself or to the harm of others if you find out that it does don't speak you know correct your thoughts and re- realign you know if it's uh, if you feel it's safe, it's not going to harm anyone. It's going to be for everyone's benefit, yours and others. Go ahead, go confidently. Go ahead while you're doing the thing or speaking. Keep being aware because it's a different angle before, during, and after. <laughs> so during, be attentive and see: is it harming myself or others? Is it? You know, or is it for my benefit and the benefit of others? If it is, just confidently continue. After Rahula, it's good to review, you know, and see in a you know very gentle but clear way. And sometimes on the other side, we find out something that was not apparent from the other side, you know. So sometimes on on one side it feels like I'm going to be generous. I'm really going to tell this person how they are. <laughs> you know, and it feels really generous and they need to hear that and it's for their well-being, you know. 
And on the other side, you know, you're in your bed, you're like, why did I say that? You know, like, that was not me. Or you say to the person, I didn't mean it, it was not me. No, it was not you, it was, it was vengeance. It was, it was not you. But it happened to be coming from here, so someone has to take the responsibility. <laughs> it would be fitting that the responsibility would be held here. Not the hate, not the guilt, but the responsibility. I said that. It was not okay. You know? And so... Um, and maybe you know also the other kinds of uh, instructions are recommendations. And that's something for us to explore is that speech shouldn't be harsh or abusive. It should be uh, coming from a place of caring. Yeah. And again, we have to be really careful because it doesn't mean being nice. It's actually possible to say to somebody, this doesn't work at all. It doesn't work. I'm not accepting this. But there's not the hate in it. There's the clarity in it. So that's something else. So not abusive speech, but rather uh, caring speech. Not false speech, but truthful. False means you know and you have the intention to hide the truth. In this, on this path, we're really interested by reality and uh, go, coming closer to reality. When you see yourself reorganizing reality, you can it's a little flag that says you're actually trying to acquire something that is probably not worth acquiring, you know? Or you want to protect something in a strange way, probably a sense of self, you know. I don't want to be seen in this way, so I'm gonna rearrange reality a little bit. Or some something like this. If you're not speaking the truth, really slow down. It's definitely worth questioning it because there's something there that is happening. So, truth. There's an amazing um, uh, sutra and I don't know if I'm going to remember it because it's so clever from the Buddha. Again, he's talking to Raula and he has a little bowl, not like this, but a little drinking bowl of water. There's just a little water in it just in the bottom there's water and he says Rahula <laughs> you can imagine something just happened you know and it's like Rahula dear my love do you see how little water there is in this bowl when you don't speak the truth this is the amount of freedom you'll have this is it but that's not the end there's four like this so after it goes and I'm not sure I'm going to remember the four but it says this is the amount of freedom you'll have because when you lie you're caught after in an architecture of you have to protect the light with another one and then you have fear and justification and it's very complex there's not, not much freedom you see and then he goes like this <laughs> you see when you lie what happens any freedom you had you just gave it away you just discarded it that's it and then <laughs> and then you put the balls like, like this I think maybe that's the fourth one there might be another one after, but he put, puts the ball like this. He says, you see this, Raula? You can't gain any freedom when you lie. It's like your ball is turned upside down. It's, gonna, it's not going to take in any wisdom. Any, it's not available. You know? Okay, so let's go back to <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> you know? But there's a kind of like, you can imagine the kid is like, ah. 
Anyway, there's one piece missing, but you can look uh, look it up. But it's all with the ball. It's like the ball. You know. So that's. I don't know. Every time I tell the story, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it's shaking inside of me. So the other instructions around speech is to um, is uh, not to uh, use speech to divide, but to heal. And to me, that points out to the amazing power of speech, how speech can hide the truth, it can show it also, it can heal, it can also divide, it can uh, destroy, and it can make. Speech is like nuclear power, like sexual energy also. It's very, very rich force. And in the text, maybe from the Buddha or from the text, it says, we are born with an axe in the mouth with an axe. And for us, see what the image comes for you, for the axe. You might have first the image of destroying with the axe. I don't know, to me that's the first image. If I'm, somebody's telling me you're born, Pascal, you were born with an axe. But actually an axe is an amazing tool. You can build stuff. And maybe more than today, an axe 2,600 years ago was high technology. <laughs> You could do amazing work, and you still can, but we have a bunch of other ways to do things, you know. But born with it, it means, it points to, this is a very sharp thing. It can actually reveal the truth, you know, and create beauty, and shelter, and everything, you know. And it can also, as we know, enact from seeing the horror movies or <laughs> just imagining them. You know, it can do a lot of harm. And so to be aware of this and still engage, you know, because you could go, oh, an act. <laughs> no, learn to use it, you know. Be careful with it. Bring careful awareness to your use of this axe. And it's, uh, you could say also, you're born with two axes. You know? and they can do the same thing for you these days you know? it's not exactly what they were conceived for you know but now they're so be careful with that we can always come back we can with this practice which is amazing what is amazing is you can always start over again you know the moment is fresh we can always start again fall flat on your face start again start again we learn maybe to be really humble, you know, to recognize I've fallen and to step up and uh, go. And then half of the practice, and I'll finish with this, half of the practice is to recognize what is going well. You know, when I was talking about the Brahma Viharas, the joy and the compassion, and so half of the practice is to see what is beautiful in the mind, in the body, in the relationship, in the exchange, in the world, etc. So it's a particular kind of intelligence also to be able to track, recognize, name, appreciate what works well. And so we need definitely to do this with ourselves. You know. um, so I'm wondering if there are any questions about the practice that we've been doing or going home integration
to the story and uh, the last thing do it and and then I mean it's it's a critical moment. You can add more the trust. I, Faraz, can you speak just a little louder? Because yeah. there's an echo, so it's... Yeah, uh, I'd like to hear story. yeah I, I think I heard up to now, but I, okay. I was about to so lose I you. For me, it's a very critical moment. Yeah. Maybe 10 seconds, or maybe an hour, one minute. No, 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, you have to choose. You go to panic, you're scared, and then you go in a hole and go further. Or you go... So the choice point. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? I don't think it's exactly a choice. Uh, if there is a choice, it's more on the on the long term, you know. So I chose to practice every day. I chose to go on retreat, <laughs> and it led to that moment you know so in that moment it's not like I can actually really choose I can panic or not you know it's it's what the brain and the heart has been trained towards or what are the things that are there from the history it's not just training but ev everything that happened before will make the possibility to go in one direction or the other you know so when I it's not uh, exact good description when I say I had the choice is rather maybe the more exact description would say I could feel churning in the background the possibility of discouragement and different emotions but there was thanks to my teachers and to many things there was the capacity to recognize to have discernment and say actually clarity this is not to be cultivated this is not to be This is to be abandoned. This is rather to be cultivated. And it was possible to actually cultivate it, you know. But everything prior to this led to that, you know. And it could have been that. And I would imagine that if the circumstances had been a little bit different, like the presence of a bear, <laughs> maybe the choice <laughs> would have been different, you know. Maybe it would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm panicking. I shouldn't panic, but uh, oops, here we go. <laughs> you know? It's not going to be easy here. So it's, in this way, it's not, it's not a personal choice. It's the story of everything that came before, everything that I learned, but everything I was exposed to or not exposed to that you know, made, this, made this possible. So I cannot take ownership, and it's not exactly choice. But to me, that still, it's not like, oh, lucky. It's not luck. There was also an aspect of development, you know, that, that, was, that was there. That's why we choose to practice this weekend rather than, you know, stay in our habits and we, we say, oh, we're going to put time on this thing because it might become useful for me and others later. Yeah? So that's my best answer at this. Yeah.
So, yeah, daily, sitting daily is very powerful over time. And uh, as we were ex having the exchange in one uh, small group, uh, I liked, uh, I remember, uh, maybe I, or I said it in the big hall, when Martine Batchelor was, uh, somebody was, she was saying at the end of the retreat with the great courage she was talking about, I remember she was saying, sometimes people come to see me and they say, ah, my practice at, at home is really shitty, it's, I'm a mess, I'm always, my mind is busy, you know, like, what should I do, it doesn't work, you know, and she said, usually what she'll, she'll ask the person is, uh, is, and is that having an impact in your, is your practice having an impact in your life, and people are like, oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, she's like, okay, so, <laughs> so I'm saying this not to expect, like, great things on the cushion daily, you know, It's going to be made of the life we're living and the way that... But the actual reaching the tush on the cush, as they say, you know, like actually landing there, and it might be in the sofa or the rocking chair, actually don't mind. But every day, putting your, your butt on the, on the thing, to me is a... It's really a kind of a physical statement. It's in, in French, I would say prise de position. So I, I don't know if there's an exact translation for that, but like a, it's a statement. I'm sitting and I'm saying, it's not about doing right now. It's not going to be about acquiring or having or any of this. Being efficient is not going to be about that. It's gonna, going to be about remembering values remembering being, the amazingness of being, the value of being, the fragility of being. I'm going to remember this because otherwise I might abuse myself all day habitually. You know, Come on, do this, go there, you're late. You know, And now I'm called to stop and just notice that there's a sensitive being here. Note that. It's going to be hard to abuse them after. Harder. You know, this one... And as I sit here and discover the sensitivity of this being, I inferentially, I'm discovering the sensitivity of other beings. So there's something universal about this. So doing this every day, I find is very powerful. And so for many people, it's the first thing to do in the morning. So you kind of roll off the bed on the cushion, you know, and after a shower breakfast, things like that. See if it works for you. For other people, it's uh, another time. Actually, honestly, for me, what works is very personal. My lifestyle also is I, I don't work nine to five. I often work at night or weekend, long weekends, etc. So at home, when I wake up in the morning, I like, I need, it feels like I need to be efficient. I want to be efficient. I have energy. So I do things administratively, a bunch of things at pre-retreat, post-retreat, everything. You know, I do this for a few hours, and then I feel like I've done my part. You know, and then I can slow down. And often in the afternoon, space opens up for me for a contemplative time, you know, where I also feel responsible that I have to do that. It's a little bit like uh, taking a shower, brushing teeth, if that's something that you perform. <laughs> you know, you do this for yourself. You do this for others. It's a wholesome thing to do. It avoids a lot of trouble. 
it cleans things, you know. So sitting is exactly like that, not different. You sit because you clean a little bit stuff. It makes you a little bit more available, a little bit less smelly for others, you know. So I think in the morning, wherever you find, but to actually make it uh, regular. And I've talked to a few people who have people who have actually, uh, and the number of minutes will be yours, you know. And if you're starting a regular practice, probably better to have short time than long time, and add five minutes every few months, you know, and build something. But I've talked to a few people who have. Uh, committed to sit every day but it's people who had already some practice but every, every time I've ta- a few people have described to me I decided I would sit for a year or I would sit for two years every day and they all say it's been absolutely amazing like so powerful so uh, I'm just reporting here mm-hmm. Yeah, so daily practice, weekly gathering, if it's possible in your lifestyle or in the area you're in, regular uh, meeting with people, and inspiration in the term, in the form of reading. Or these days, many people listen to a lot of uh, podcasty kind of things. So these are recorded. They will find their way on Dharma Seed. Many of you know this site. Thousands. Everything on this site, I think, is good stuff. So you can listen to Pascal, but to many more. If there's something you've been interested in, the Brahma Vihara, look it up. You'll find hundreds of talks on this. You can do this as you drive. You know, people write to me and say, oh, you know, I go to sleep with you, or or when I commute with you, or I cut carrots with you, or, you know, thanks, really, my divorce would not have been as happy without you. <laughs> you know, you saved me from this or that, you know, or, and they express this about other teachers. They say, oh, you know, Dharma Seed is amazing, I follow Anushka, and she's been so good to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so inspiration, maybe regular, I would say, inspiration from reading Dharma, studying. Yeah. So in this practice, we study, we reflect, and we practice. And if you do one, much more than the other like if you I think just reading about Dharma it's going to have an impact but it's not then you might become edgy about it and stuff you know like it needs to have some practice so that's the formal way then the other part is the informal which is as important so the integration in life so it means now we've done walking. When you walk from one place to the other, what do you walk and train your mind to be gone in thoughts and habitual thinking? Because we're always training something, apparently. So it's good to know what you're training and to make that choice. You know? So in daily activities, there's many places where you can actually be there. When you're with your loved ones, but when you're alone, it's great. Knowing when you're touching a door, feeling the coldness of it, you know, as you walk on the street, listening to the sound as you walk, check your mind state, are you walking in friendliness, or are you walking and have abandoned any of these beautiful qualities, which one could be there as you're waiting for the subway, 
you know, as you're sitting in it, can you obsessed about your future, or is it better to blast people with secretly with care in the bus? You know? May you too be happy. You too find ease of mind. It's not easy being a human being. Yes. Um, I'm trying to cultivate more mindfulness in addition to emotional health uh, with physical health. I'm wondering uh, what physical practices you might have in your life. If it's like yoga or tai chi or wow. stuff you do in that mind. Yeah, all of these you just mentioned I think are amazing practices. Yoga, tai chi, qigong. And there might be other Feldenkrais. I know uh, sometimes here we have Feldenkrais classes, and there are uh, movements in mindfulness, you know. But you could really well do this running, skiing, what, whatever is the thing that you like to do, uh, cross-country skiing. Why not be there as you're doing it, you know? And so, you know, we slow down here, and it, it would be a sorry association to make between metta or mindfulness and either stillness or slowness or eyes closed or sitting you don't want to associate mindfulness with one particular form because then you're caught you know and so you can really well be running full speed and be there you know you won't notice maybe the actual putting down and lifting but you'll notice movement you know And so, uh, yeah, anything that uh, is possible, you know, with this situation you're in, you know, what's available there for you. But, uh, yeah, yoga, definitely, these practices are good for... The, they're, good for the, they're good for the health of the body, but they're also good for the energy body and the emotional body. Because you spend time with the body, you know, and, and uh, you do movements, and it moves emotions, like on retreats, It's actually good to incorporate these if you can. Often we have classes, this time we didn't, but often we do have, and actually it helps move emotions. So you're not just working on the, on the physical body and shape kind of thing. You're working on the whole system. You're taking care of yourself. You're moving, and emotions are stored in the body. You know that. You know that. And so to actually move it helps move uh, the whole... Uh, energy body and emotional body I think okay did you if, if there's time there is we, we'll take uh, another five minutes maybe we're good yesterday last night uh, the practice you shared um, with a difficult person I think was very uh, potent I have trouble with what is a difficult person because sometimes in our lives you know like You know, it could be my mother. And uh, I couldn't do that exercise, seeing her dead. You know, like it was like, ooh, this is not, I'm not going there. Yeah. So what is it? Is it someone, like I can't think, you know, that there's someone that I really hate. You know, like I have difficulty with some people, but not full-blown. Yeah. Or if they're full-blown, I don't know them personally. Yeah. They're, you know, they're on the other side of the Okay, so, yeah, and it points to the fluctuating nature of our emotions and views and this and that. So the categories there are arbitrary, like they're limited. 
So it's it's a kind of it points out to don't send love just to the people you feel good about right now. Mm-hmm. You know, try to see if you can expand your heart a little bit to include somebody with whom that you love in general, but that you hate right now. You know. <laughs> Or, I mean, your words, but you're annoyed with right now, or you're unhappy with, or you you're feel like you're not fully who you are with. You know, it, it's not, it doesn't have to do everything to do with hate. It might be that you're uncomfortable with. You know, it's just to say, work with every one of the forms, of, you know, every forms of relationships you have. You know, that's what it means. And also, on the other side, like the other part you say of, I couldn't do this, what you suggested with your mother. Yesterday, I tried to open the door a lot, saying, you can do this if you want to. You can leave at any time. You can, if it feels right, take care of yourself. Be intelligent. Be sensitive to your own needs, etc. So you, it's good that you do that. And you don't have to do this exercise with anybody, and you can do it if it speaks to you. There's different tools that we can use and that works for us, and sometimes they don't work, and at another time they work. So, again, a lot of intelligence, self-respect. Do I feel like doing this or not? I don't, I don't. Okay. Okay. Good. So now what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Hold on, let me take a moment here. Yeah, we're going to take a 15-minute break and come back here at uh, 10.30. 10.30. And, uh, and we'll see what's going to happen. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll ring the bell in uh, a dozen minutes or so. So we're still in silence, right? Thank you for that.